You're listening to Extra Textual. This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and relate it to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. Okay, welcome to the show. I'm Eli Steenledge, and with me as always is... Jeremy Holiday, And we have a special guest with us today. Pat Yulo is with us. And we're going to be talking about, like, the Star Wars universe galaxy today of things. And Pat is the perfect guest for that. So can you tell us a little bit about your love of Star Wars? Pat? Sure. Um, currently, as, like, a super huge Star Wars fan... I'm a member of the Rebel Legion, um, so I do a lot of costuming Star Wars troops. I'm a participant in Looking for Leia. It's a documentary about female Star Wars fans. Um, I run a couple of side clubs, too. Uh, one club is called Saber Maidens, and that's sort of just a club for women who love Star Wars and costuming. And a friend of mine and I do a bunch of panels at local comic conventions called So You Want to Be a Jedi, How to Dress Up Like a Jedi. So needless to say, there's a definite bent in my love for Star Wars, (laughs) and it has everything to do with the Jedi religion. And so, and what I understand, Pat, is that you, your love of costuming also involves making a lot of costumes, too. It does. Oh, see, and I failed to mention the whole other thing, which was the My Little Pony Jedi, which is like a troop of 15 grown-ups and kids who dress up like Star Wars My Little Pony mashup characters in really bright Jedi costumes. Mm-hmm. There's so much that I want to ask you questions about, Pat, with those things. Um, Go. But first, you were telling us of about how you got interested in Star Wars as a as a child, and uh, this sounds like a great story you have to tell our listeners. Oh yeah, that, sure. It involves spaceballs. What does not involve spaceballs? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like, my best friend growing up was always like hugest geek. She's like one of the biggest influences in my life. Was like, Pat, you should watch this movie called Star Wars. I said, I'd always be like, No, let's just watch Spaceballs again. It's better. And so she and I spent summers upon summers watching Spaceballs over 300 times. And here comes, like, high school. I've already got this entire movie memorized. My dad's like, hey, for today, I borrowed the laser disc of this old movie <laughs> called Star Wars. I know, right? Laser disc. Laser disc. Right? And he, I was like, okay, cool. He pops it in and, like, um, R2 and C-3PO are walking across the sand dunes of Tatooine, and I'm like, whoa, pause, 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 pause. Is this what Spaceballs is all about? <laughs> and it was like, it was a defining moment. I just I just very distinctly remember it. Like, I remember the day. It was September mm. 12, 1992. Mm. And I was in an all-girls high school. I was a freshman. Like, it was a Saturday, and the movie, like, ran, and I was like, this is amazing. I get to school on Monday and there's no one I can talk to. <laughs> hmm. Like, you know, there's a bunch of girls. I'm yeah. like, anybody? And one friend was like, well, I hear there's like a bunch of books at the bookstore. You could go check out the bookstore. 
And, you know, it was heir to the Jedi and a bunch of other stuff. And luckily I had very supportive parents who were willing to go along with a girl who wanted more Star Wars stuff. Awesome. So yeah. did you do you remember the impression it sounded like you were pretty impressed? I'm just curious, like were you like, Oh man, Star Wars, this is a lot better than Spaceballs? Or you were like, This is like the real thing? How do you describe it? You know how yeah. like sometimes you have like those spiritual moments? And you like to pretend that a spiritual moment for a movie is really, it sounds kind of lame, except for the fact that I distinctly, like, I distinctly remember not breathing hmm. while watching the movie. Yeah. I was that enthralled. My cat jumped on my lap. Hmm. And, like, that disruption, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I started panicking. <laughs> I'm like, get off. You're disturbing this important thing that's happening right now. And yeah. you know, when it was done, I just, I just, it was like, it's a before and after moment right there. Mm. There was before Star mm. Wars and then there's after Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember not knowing Star Wars. So I hear a lot of people have that sort of defining moment of like, I saw it on this day. I don't know that we watched it constantly growing up, but I just was always in my consciousness. I don't remember. I had older siblings. So I'm sure yeah. they, they would have it on and things like that. But it was just like always new Star Wars. Not like a first time. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't remember the first time that I saw it. But I mm-hmm. do remember the first time I got it. Hmm. Like, I, you know, like I had already seen – I already knew all the movies because we, we like – my like dad had – like, we had two VCRs and he would like rent them and then copy the movies. Mm-hmm. This is before Macrovision or anything, yeah. like before copy protection. Um, so we had them, all three of them on this, like one tape, this one VHS tape. And I just, I just play it, repeat it. And, you know, we'd watch it like every couple weeks in the summer. And I remember, I don't know, I was probably eight or something. I was sitting there in the basement, you know, and like we had started, you know, a new hope and Mm. my, my, the rest of my family had gone off and to do other things. And I'm sort of waiting through the, you know, the the credits, I fast forward. Um, and it's like in the middle of empire. And then like, there's the moment where like, Darth Vader says that he's Luke's father. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and it was like, that's, that's, that's really intense. And then, then his hand gets cut off. I'm like, oh, oh, now I know why he has the robotic hand that he's always wearing in that third movie. I, yeah, I sort of like, it, it was as like the, the last bit of Empire I just sort of missed every mm-hmm. time or something. <laughs> right. And I, I didn't truly understand like that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember like seeing it and understanding it for the first mm-hmm. time. Um, oh, that's impressive. Yeah, and, you know, and you know, I mean, it wasn't September twelfth, nineteen ninety two, but, uh, but it was it was like that, and I was like, you know, and and then this story that I had or knew about just became this, yeah, you know, like I I kicked my knowledge or obsession of it up to the, the next level, um, you know, and then you know watched it for years and years after that too. But I was yeah. like, yeah, I would describe it like Eli, like I don't, I can't remember not knowing about it. Yeah, I did rediscover it early in high school. So I can identify with your story, Pat. Like, um, you know, I watched it as a youth and then rewatched them. And I was like, oh, yeah, these. I do love these. Yeah. And that was in that little period where, like, we didn't think there was ever going to be Star Wars again. Oh, yeah. Little Movies. period. A long time. Long time. I mean, like, when I rediscovered it was a yeah, short time. Yeah. Um, because yeah, they soon, soon announced the prequel. Yeah. What's that? Oh, I was saying in the dark times, I had to make my own merchandise. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Like, I wanted a Star Wars T-shirt, so I had to make it. I wanted a yeah. Star Wars lunchbox, so I had to make it. 
Yeah, it was a weird time. And I think, oddly for me, like, those things lined up in my Star Wars history. So, like, I sort of rediscovered it, and then a few years later they announced the prequels, which I was into, and we we kind of all know how that went. But... And then I had kids, and I was still a Star Wars fan, and rediscovering that with my kids. And then they announced the new Disney film. So it's kind of been a fun journey of, like, being able to have these... uh, sort of renewals of of my hope in star wars yeah yeah and and it, it seems like you know star wars at least for me always hits like pivotal life moments my husband my husband was my boyfriend at the time and uh. he had graduated from college right as phantom menace was being like the day after mm-hmm. and it was his 21st birthday so we watched it like three times in <laughs> in the theaters mm-hmm. so like it's always like star wars with life moments mm-hmm. yeah did you and you said you're pretty into the religion are you is that like a phrase you use or how serious are you about that um let's just i don't know let's go with i grew up in a catholic school mm-hmm. and <laughs> that was not fun <laughs> and everything like everything they had said about the relig- like christianity catholicism and all of that did not sit well with me mm-hmm. and i just couldn't find a way to be spiritual that mm-hmm. felt authentic and until I got to college, um, you know, we were introduced to like different paths of spirituality or different mm-hmm. paths of philosophy. And then, of course, I made different college friends. And of course, those college friends were like, here, why don't you read about like Celtic Druids? <laughs> and somehow like learning about naturalism, Druids and things like that, it always just sort of brought back. It always just sort of like or brought back, segued straight into being a Jedi or what the Jedi, I guess, religion in quotation marks was about, because we can right. talk about, you know, the original version that we saw in Empire was mm. very esoteric. There were three guys who knew how to do this, right? and everything was connected by the Force. And then, like, later on in the prequels, well, basically what we are seeing is the crumbling of, of is the crumblings of a religion gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like a religious order, yeah. Yeah. Well, last year I went to Geek Girl Con um, with my friend Marcy, and we were doing this to rep Looking for Leia. And, like, on the flight back, it just, like, hit me. I was like, oh, my God. I spent all of my, like, grown-up years trying to get away from a horrible religion that includes extremely specific things you can't do, like getting married, hmm. only to be a grown-up who dresses up as a person who is part of a religion where you can't do things like get married. <laughs> like, the irony right. just hit. And I was like, hmm. well, you know what? Better costumes. Yeah. <laughs> Better co- Yeah, I mean... And, and laser swords. And laser swords. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I, what I have appreciated about these new Disney films, the new trilogy is I got a little bit of a new spiritual element brought back in The Force Awakens, but The Last Jedi was really connecting with me, like bringing that spirituality back to it. And I don't know, it's really connecting. Like I actually do still sort of look at things from a Christian perspective, but I like in The Last Jedi that it's talking about opening things up to sort of all people and not just being like these select few this sort of clergy or something that controls, you know, the force or something. 
And the way that in The Force Awakens, it talks about calling to you this sort of unknown thing um, to sort of draw you to something bigger. It can sound sort of cheesy, but did sort of connect with me at the moment, too. Yeah, I absolutely can hear that. I mean, I always just think of like the interconnectedness of everything, like the force mm. is everything. Yeah. And like, the more we think, you know, it's sort of like that butterfly effect. Mm. So and then we always talk about things like passing on kindness and, you know, like make a negative comment to somebody that's going to pass off to their day if you make a positive comment to somebody that's going to pass off to their day and that's just going to pass on to somebody else to somebody else to somebody else and that's sort of the interconnectedness interconnectedness sure interconnectedness of people yeah and how we're surrounded yeah like that Mm. whole sequence where ray like sees how everything is connected on octu was really powerful yeah yeah, and I like seeing them sort of, Luke and her sort of struggling through their sort of beliefs and learning through it. It seems a lot more realistic than sort of just throwing yourself into something without asking questions. Yeah. We saw in the past films, I think, a lot more. No, I was going to ask a question about, like, how do you guys feel about how everybody complains about what happened to Luke's character arc? Mm-hmm. That is a good question. I mean, uh, as viewers of the podcast will recall... Um, I love the new Luke. Hmm. I I have like I mean, and, and I'll, there are two things that I'll say about it. Um, one of which is this sort of like um, this concept of like multiplicity, and just in terms of stories, in that like uh, like Star Wars is iconic. Uh, the characters are iconic. The setting is iconic, and there there are many different stories told in you know officially by Lucas Arts and unofficially by a. a a very extensive fan base all around the world. And if we just sort of put those all on the same plane and recognize that they're all different kinds of possibilities and stories and story arcs, that Luke can be both Luke of the Jedi Academy and Luke of the Last Jedi. Um, and I think that of all the portrayals that I know of him in in video games and books and comic books, um, the one in uh, The Last Jedi was uh, just delightfully refreshing. I... I saw it three times in the theater over a course of like two weeks, and every time I went to see it, I liked it. I liked him more. The first time I was like a little uncertain because it seemed there was just like I was like I wanted a little bit more. And then the second time, I noticed um, that like you know that he's written uh, more like a Yoda than um, other characters. He he says a few things. Everything he says is very important and has meaning. And I and I appreciated his performance, you know, and like it's an opportunity that is literally impossible to create. I mean, like he is the he is Mark Hamill who played young Luke Skywalker. <laughs> he has lived an entire life in the shadow of being Luke Skywalker, and has an opportunity to be that person on film, the person who used to be the young amazing Luke Skywalker, and is now reflected on his opportunity. And I think that all comes through. I mean, and I I love his bumbling nature i mean i like i didn't know we were going to get yoda in the movie i like we when eli and i saw the film for the first time we saw it together when yoda shows up on film the entire audience just (laughs) applauds for like 30 seconds 45 seconds um i was equally as happy uh and i um you know there's a couple things i would have done differently but i was i was just so happy that you know it's you know um that the folks who directed and wrote tried to do something interesting with Luke. And I think it, it you know, once Ray is sort of arguing back and forth with him, because it's also like, 
I'm getting excited, but he he also reminds me so much of Yoda, right? Because like, and, and it parallels all the silliness and absurdity mm-hmm. that we that fans or or critics seem to forget was a characteristic of Yoda as well. I mean, when we first meet him, he's like this funny little green muppet. He eventually we eventually realize that there's more there, but his initial presentation is some kind of absurd little weird woodland creature. Um, and Luke presents himself in The Last Jedi as this, like, grumpy pants, bearded, slightly illogical... Creature milking... Yeah, creature yeah. with the milking these absurd cows and killing giant fish and, you know. Yeah, so the short answer is uh, I like it. Um, and it was his portrayal in that film was far more creative than most things in The Force Awakens. I'm yeah. curious of what you thought, Pat, but just um, for our listeners, like another perspective, our episode with Colin had a lot of disputes with his characterization, yeah. so people can listen to that. But what did you think? Oh, fascinating. No, I'm going to be on the agreeing side. <laughs> um, one one article I read that I really enjoyed was it was talking about how they decided to frame Luke Skywalker because we all know Mark Hamill spent his career after Luke sort of going into voice acting. Mm-hmm. So he really honed his chops without actually seeing his face. So a lot of times when you see him, it's either you hear dialogue and he's not in the frame, he's in the shadows, or his mm-hmm. back is facing to you. So you can really like get the gist of what he's doing from his voice. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, oh, that's interesting. So when I watched it like the second and the third time, I saw where the different framing was. Huh. Yeah. I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a teacher and I teach. Mm. And so at the end of the day, you one gets just really tired sometimes mm-hmm. with the yeah. amount of questions and things that your students ask. So what I really appreciated about this portrayal, I was like, everybody, people, this is Luke, the tired teacher at the end of the school year. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. This is him going, God, not another student who's going to fuck up even if I try really, really hard to teach them. <laughs> Like, I I get his exhaustion at the end Mm. of the movie. I get his frustration. I get his, like, oh, I know you're so energetic and you're so excited to become my student, but I'm just done. Mm. And it's also the, you know, I worked really hard as a teacher. I did all that I could. Look what I did. I created the Jedi Academy, and I fucked it up. And it got fucked up royally. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I allowed to swear on this show? Yes. Uh, I I do all the time. We mark them with explicit in case anyone cares, but... (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. The second time I saw it, I noticed the subtlety in his performance a lot more. Yeah. And you could see, you know, they had complaints, something like Ray never gets like full training in any of these movies, and she's just a great I sword fighter. Know, what the hell? But you know, we we get scenes where he's observing her, and yeah. I think this is in the directing and things too, in the acting that. If you look at it, he's acknowledging, you know, her prowess already and what she's doing. And we get a background on her that she's survived on her own compared to Luke, who is a whiny kid, sort of spoiled. And so I think we we understand a lot more of what's sort of happening in his mind. And like you said, he, he doesn't want to do the regular training thing, but he realizes there's something more in her. Um, and I like those subtleties in it. I... I think I do identify, I don't know if you guys heard about the sort of controversy that Mark Hamill made some comments before the movie was coming out that he didn't like the characterization in mm-hmm. The Last Jedi at first. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think he sort of restated those comments as like he came around to it, to understanding it. But I think maybe the more I think about it, I have a similar reaction. Like 
maybe this isn't the Luke, you know, I initially anticipated wanting to see. You want to see Luke kicking some ass and being awesome, um, which we sort of get at the end. So I think there's still a little bit of me wanting to see that Luke. But as far as, like, his story arc and the narrative of Star Wars, I think this was pretty perfect. Well, So I have, like, a, a tiny little thing about tiny uh, extra textual reference. So one of the things I did uh, in my other other thing I've done in my life is, like, I, I was a religious scholar, which I don't do much of anymore. But Just on the show. Just on the show. <laughs> and, you know, in, in my own private library. But um, so some some facts that like are those that, you know, I studied mainly like comparative religions, which is like various different religions around the world. If you were to treat religion like literature, you know, this is sort of how it would happen. And one of the things, uh, and I studied a lot of uh, Buddhism in Nepal and Tibet. And uh, for those that study Tibetans, there's a couple things that it, are known in those circles that often aren't known outside of those circles. One of which um, is that uh, the vast majority of the Ewoks are Tibetans and that the language that they're speaking is uh, Tibetan just done very, very quickly. They just sort of make up jibber-jabber plus yeah. regular phrases. And if you know what you're listening for, you can you can hear it in there. The other is that um, – No, but I'm going to fight on that one a little bit. Sure. Go ahead. Because growing up in the Philippines – I swear to God, we understood half of what the Ewoks were saying. Huh. And, I mean, there's no proof that the Ewoks speak Tagalog or Filipino, but they have a couple of lines that actually, like, make sense. When... Yeah, yeah. Um, those, those Ewoks are wise. Well, and so, yeah, so um, when I say, uh, you know, and, uh, when I say that most of them are Tibetan, there's also a variety of other ethnicities in there, too. Hmm. Um. You know, and, and so, I mean, this is, like, again, I I don't, this is, like, her tell. Um, uh, and there's this story, I, I don't know if it's true or not, but um, a professor told me that um, uh, the, the character of Yoda is based on this one um, uh, Tibetan teacher um, by, by, by the name of Yolung Rinpoche, who has, like, really long ears and is um, uh, really short and sort of crawls around. You know, sort of like Yoda does. Um, uh, and the the point about it is that I, regardless, of, I mean, the 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 philosophical perspectives um, that are are that the Jedi have that are present in the original movies, like the 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 wisdom that Yoda presents, um, was all very very interesting to me as a child. Um, and and it, and I, it, it was not something that I heard at church. It was not something that I heard anywhere else in the world <laughs> yeah. except Star Wars. Um, you know, and, and I learned that like uh, George Lucas was very deliberate about all the things that are in there um, and like the use of archetypes, which we talk about too. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of it comes from other religious traditions in the world, which is something people are often critical of. Like, oh, it's just like, it's, you know, it's various, it's Buddhism light or it's various other religions light. Um which I don't know, just has always appealed, always appeared to me as um, snobbish, uh, in a sense, um, because like I, you know, I mean, like just just the concept that like in order to like succeed in the in the world, I mean, it, like to look for to have power, you like get in touch with your feelings, right? Like there was not in the church that I grew up in any talk about feelings or that like going through feelings and experience 
that, that, that those offered any avenues for knowledge. Knowledge came from words and in books um, and from people that wore funny outfits and stood behind pedestals and talked in microphones and, you know, stuff like that. Hmm. Um, and so I, I always like I well, what I saw in The Last Jedi was um, not something that I think was was as as borrowed, I think, as some mm-hmm. of the religion early in um, the original trilogy um, and was something far more interesting to me philosophically. I mean, no, Luke mm-hmm. doesn't speak a whole lot, but what he does say is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I also, I mean, I assume you watched The Clone Wars, Pat. I mean, I don't... I did. Yeah. Um, I want to watch The Clone Wars according to, like, certain themes because yeah. that was actually the recommendation to me. Hmm. Yeah. Like, don't watch all of the Clone Wars. Watch <laughs> the Jedi line of Clone Wars. Yeah. Then I mean, the clone episodes and, yeah. you know, follow those storylines. Yeah. And I, I should have done that, but I'm a completist. And I had to put my foot down and say, no, I have to watch everything, including Jar Jar Binks as a spy. Uh, yeah. I mean, there are some, <laughs> some bad ones. Yeah. Yes, yeah, some real bad ones. And like the one with Jar Jar as a spy, it ends with him falling off a cliff. And it was like, and people think he's dead. And they were just totally messing with you. But um, one of the things, so like Yoda makes this comment in The Last Jedi about, you know, a mistake. And I don't know exactly what mistake he's referring to. But in my mind, it's it's the mistake of kicking Ahsoka out of the Jedi Order. Um, oh. It also might be the mistake of like letting Darth Sidious destroy the entire order and create the empire. <laughs> However, um, that wasn't something he necessarily had control over. That was sort of his responsibility. And so, like taking taking that as sort of a supposition that he is talking about Ahsoka, um, or at least uh, mistakes that he personally made. You know, also like the mistake of um, letting Anakin be trained even though he wasn't supposed to. Right. Yeah. I mean, like Luke oversaw the creation of Kylo Ren, and Yoda oversaw the creation of Darth Vader. Um, there's, I don't. There, there is something about the religious perspectives um, in the Last Jedi that seemed mature. Um, you talk about the perspective, Pat, as a teacher, as someone who is in charge of uh, teaching people and raising people, um, and you know, and it seems because like the the. The religion, the Jedi religion in the in the original films, it's it's cool and interesting, but it's also um, simple. And I think like George Lucas tries to bring us to the next level by talking about Metaclorians and divine birth, which Ooh. is real bad, um, uh, which I didn't like. But I do like when you know, just I mean, this bit. I mean, like I could like when Luke says like you know. When a Jedi dies, you know, a light is gone from the universe, or whatever. Do you understand how arrogant that is? Right. That's very profound and interesting and uh, uh, an advancing of a philosophical and religious perspective that um, like hasn't moved since you know the you know the return of the Jedi yeah so speaking of like midichlorians and uh, divine we, birth which let's not even touch the divine virgin Mary thing <laughs> for now yeah hi um, I had once heard someone speak like in defense of midichlorians and mm-hmm. ever since I heard that it sort of changed my perspective on the Jedi religion because what he had said was, you know, we're watching Qui-Gon Jinn use this technology device to figure out the midichlorian count of this child. Basically, what the what Phantom Menace actually is showing is... The Jedi are are 
moving away from the force and their own instincts and their guts and their emotions and trusting more and more on technology to sort of support what they feel mm-hmm. and because of their reliance on external technology was actually one of their downfalls and the beginning of like the end of them mm-hmm. which was, well that's a fascinating point of view mm-hmm. i'm willing to accept it i'm willing to take it i just don't want to have to watch the phantom menace again <laughs> Um, I was going to mention a question to you guys that I've been thinking about. I heard some people talk about with The Last Jedi that it does seem like we're getting this sort of shift in the concept of the Jedi and maybe the balance of the Force and even like the understanding of, well, obviously, an understanding of what the Force is because Luke has a very different perspective on it now than sort of what we've heard before. And I'm wondering, like, traditionally, like, especially with the prequels, we get that Jedis are supposed to be very orderly. They're not supposed to rely on their, like, brash emotions. Um, Even though they're supposed to, like, feel the Force, they're not supposed to, like, act instinctively um, on their emotions or with anger or passion even very much. And that's much more of a dark side thing is to, you know, embrace your passions and, um, and just go with that. Uh, and see where it takes you, you know, to to gain power or whatever, um, to rely on that. And in The Last Jedi, I think we see, like, a much more balance in that, that Rey depends a lot more on her raw instinct and emotions, um, and Kylo's kind of bringing that out of her, but he also kind of sees something in the light side um, between it, more than we've kind of seen a balance before. Do you think that that's something intentional, that they're trying to, like break down the concept of what we know of as as Jedi to kind of, um, I don't know, open up the world a little bit more. Um, yeah, well, you got to break with... down to rebuild, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So if you get rid of whatever old, old mythology is there, you can open mm-hmm. it up to a lot of other things. And I think the idea now is not so much talking about, like, Jedi versus Sith, but really more of opening it up to people who are Force-sensitive, so those are people who have access to the Force, but aren't put into the Jedi religion, which I think the Star Wars universe has explored in other places as well. I know there's that Clone Wars episode where they end up on the planet oh. <laughs> with siblings, good yeah, siblings. Yeah. There's like three of those in a row. Yeah, that was like was a story arc. But actually, like a lot of The Last Jedi sort of reminded me of that storyline. Mm-hmm. With Kylo being the bad guy and Ray being that one girl. It just made me think about some of your comments, Pat, about like feeling like, oh, the Jedi's can't get married and I'm sort of falling, you know, these characters that I love and sort of want to um, portray, you know, in real life that um, it's also a restrictive sort of system. Um, but I think maybe that world is opening up and then commenting on itself. Um, yeah. Which I think is cool. It's exciting. When I talk about like Jedi costuming, we always introduce it with like we're we're talking about Jedi costuming here. So step one, this isn't Sith. You're not doing any sexy <laughs> skin showing going on here. This is conservative, up to the neck, clothed in fabric kind of costuming. Because hmm. yeah, we always talk about how they are sort. They are oh, they're so religious. In yeah. the in the you know we're gonna be we are conservative. We don't do anything crazy. We don't do anything brash. Our world is beige. 
Um, color, but it has to be this shade. Our, our, our buildings are so boring, you don't know what room you're in. Yeah. <laughs> we were reading a um, Star Wars book with my uh, four-year-old tonight, and he asked why the Jedis always wear brown. <laughs> well, oh. <laughs> interesting question. Okay, uh, so actually, interesting question. Yeah. I'm going to turn it a little bit on you guys and say, as parents because I think we are all parents with young children who mm-hmm. live in a Star Wars universe. Like, my daughter has never not known Star Wars. It's part of her thing, and she's never watched the movies, right? But she knows all the stuff. She knows yeah. who the dad of Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia are. Mm-hmm. Like, they, she knows this stuff. Like, how do you feel, you know, having your kids with you all the time that know the Star Wars without ever getting sort of that that big movie surprise Hmm. but like you yourself you like you yourself you yourself said you missed it at some point in your past and then having seen it again luke i am your father was like mind-blowing right like i feel like i've almost ruined the movies for my kid by having all of this stuff around my so Without giving too much detail, we had I have three kids, and my first son we had, and we didn't have another child for five years, and so we like dug into Star Wars with him, and it was exciting to show him. But then when my second son came along, you know, we were already like deep into Star Wars, so he's just around it. Like we didn't, you know, we waited a few years until my first son was old enough to kind of like grasp it before we showed him the movies. But now I just want to like be able to watch the movies when I want to watch them if they're around. So we don't we're not as like thoughtful about like this is the moment to, you know, present this film they need to see and then watch the next one. So it's like a hard <laughs> it's probably like not really the hardest thing to deal with in life, but still difficult for for people that care about this stuff. But yeah, I mean, my second son now, he like knows elements of the world, but he doesn't really like grasp it. The other problem is it's becoming more and more complicated to explain (laughs) the out of out of order um, sequence of the films. When we like I refer to like, you know, the originals, A New Hope, Empire and Jedi as like the originals, but it's not the beginning of the story. So it becomes very complicated talking to young kids about it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like talking to coworkers who are like, so what movie are we at now? And I'm all like, why don't you try it Machete Order? <laughs> I like Machete Order. I tried it, and I was like, I'm okay with this. I would I would definitely introduce people to it that way. And, I mean, I'm going to guess, are you guys uh, familiar with Machete Order? No. Explain more. Okay. I think I know so, what you mean, but go ahead. Yeah, somebody once wrote a very long I got website post, I guess, about how to watch the movies. And the idea was to do it in machete order, which is you watch A New Hope and then Empire. So you get like that very original introduction and story arc. And then from Empire, you get to have the great big reveal of, oh, my gosh, there's no surprise there. And then you move in to episodes two and three. So then you can be like, I know, right? Isn't that the most horrible thing ever? How did this guy ever end up like this? Mm. Let's watch the movies and see how that happened. Mm-hmm. And so then you, after two and three, you introduce six, and you're like, check it out. This is how this gets resolved. This is how it ends. And then, yeah. I mean, but this was all written before TFA even existed. But I mean, yeah. I figure at this point, you just go from six 
and then you can do no not even what's that 3.5 if you wanted to add rogue one in there oh yeah yeah Yeah, true and then and then you do seven and eight and then the idea was like you can do phantom menace sort of like (laughs) i was gonna say i don't think you said one in there no that's the thing they 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 said you don't need one you don't need one you yeah. can just be like, if you want to watch The Phantom Menace, it's going to introduce this one kind of awesome Jedi. Everything else is kind of not really relevant. Yeah, true. Sort of to the story. And it, I mean, it does, it makes watching Attack of the Clones and Clone Wars less creepy. <laughs> because, I mean, I never was able to get past the age difference. Right. And I'm like, uh, the- yeah. I've grown up with people who are like a couple of years younger than me and mm-hmm. who eventually like, as they get older, like get a crush and you're like, no, I'm sorry. You could be 17 and I could be 24. You're still the kid. Yeah. You still remember okay. them. As like you want his toys. Like I still see that. Like there's <laughs> Amidala could get past that. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing was like all about like Anakin's like lines, like, of course, Anakin has no groove. Anakin has no buy. The kid lived in like a sec- secretive religious order. You think he learned how to talk to women? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I sand. mean, I don't like, I don't like it. It's sand. It's like coarse. And I'm like, of course, he didn't know how to pick her up. He didn't know how to talk to her. Yeah. True. Um, and uh, I mean, there's Star Wars as like a world doesn't really seem to be able to handle romance. No. I mean, outside of a few lines, you know, mm-hmm. like the Some Han and Leia. Yeah, Han and Leia. Business. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I put in a plug for like the uh, uh, Obi Wan and Satine line because um, yeah. that's one of my favorite. Is it like just, it's just good it, yeah. and it and it's great. It's probably one of the best mm-hmm. love stories or you know stories of that kind of relationship in Star Wars. Um, yeah, but so like saying like we're gonna have a kid and he's gonna be Darth Vader and he's gonna fall in love with this princess and they're gonna be played by these actors and I'm like you can't, it's not possible to do those things in the Star Wars world, yeah. um, with any success and they don't have it, um, but uh, to answer your question, Pat, um, I mean I like ramble on a lot about stuff, but for me like um, Star Wars is more of like a milieu, uh. Which has some like you know if you imagine like a place there are like some large capitals and monuments but the rest is sort of free space um, and uh, like for me and growing up like the the world of Star Wars was more about like the physical things of the world the spaceships the planets the people the equipment what the space looked like what lasers sounded like. Um, the fact that it was dirty and not Star Trek, all those things were sort of what Star Wars meant to me. And whether Han shot someone or Luke did something or Boba Fett was or was not, whatever, was incidental to like the larger picture. Um, and I think that's also because – and so I, like, I, I don't really lament at all that – my son will never have the experience really of watching Star Wars for the first time or, you know, sort of encountering these stories because he, he'll know them, you know, he'll, he knows them thoroughly now. I mean, like, maybe he would, like, go away from them from years and come back and rewatch them and sort of have that experience. But um, because I don't, because that's not, first of all, it's not the experience I had. 
Um, and I don't think that like any good story, um, you know, obviously a great story with a small G um, needs to be experienced that way. I mean, one of the things I talk about in other podcasts is like uh, like the great epics of, of Greece and, and India and other places in the world. Like everyone knows the story um, and yet they still show up every year or at, at certain intervals to hear tellings of the story. Um, and like for me, like watching the movie of Star Wars, whether it's, you know, whatever episode it is, is like a, a telling of a story in the world, but it's not the definitive, you know, part of the world. There's the, the, the world itself, Star Wars, is all the stuff sort of um, beyond that. Um, so whether, you know, and whether he encounters it in a video game, which I did a lot when I was a kid, um, or in a comic book, or, you know, even in parody, um, I I don't mind at all that he doesn't have that first viewing experience. Because I also don't think um, that that's what our world is like. I mean, like, you know, you, we're around the same age, I think. Like, the world before the internet. Like, mm-hmm. you couldn't just find out anything. I can literally press a button, as we all can, right. and say, like, can you tell me whatever, and some device in my house will tell me what that is. Um, you know, like, I, I remember in high school, like, getting, like, you know, f- mimeographed or, like, Xeroxed, packets of like information on star wars like how many laser blasts happen you know like these and and these were like gold you know um because that kind of information was just amazing and not available anywhere and now like you know i mean i was just i was having a discussion about the force with my son the other day and there's this this article on why amidala dies that i really really like um which it advances this theory that it's because of uh, like uh, a method of what's that Lack of prenatal care? Well, no, no, that, um, <laughs> Not that, that no, it, it, it's that, um, um, that Darth Sidious, like, establishes a connection between Amidala and Anakin when he's dying and, and, and is able to, uh, to channel Anakin to suck her, like, uh, connection with the Force away to keep himself alive. And it's actually, um, this uh, thing which Darth Sidious is doing that keeps Darth Vader alive. So when he kills Darth Sidious at the end, that's why he dies, because he's literally being sustained by him. It's based on sort of the discussion that Darth Sidious has with Anakin when they're in the opera, when he talks about Darth Pelagius, which we assume is his master. Anyway, so there's this, like, 15-page internet article about this thing, which we, like, he read and talked about, and he doesn't even remember seeing that movie. We we watched it, (laughs) um, and someday he will will watch it again as a family, and he'll, like, encounter it, but um, he's participating in that story, in that story world, even though he's not watching that film. And and it seems much more similar to me to, like, when I talk with my friends, you know, when you talk with friends about characters in great books or stories, you know, mm-hmm. in, the, in the Indian epics that I studied, like, talking about what Ram did or, you know, what his, you know, brother did or what sort of, you know, Hanuman did, these sort of characters, because um, they sort of exist in that same kind of way. It's funny in our world that somebody owns that, like... <laughs> A bunch of dudes in Florida get to say what these people do and do not do in some sense. Um, but the truth is, regardless of what they say about canon or whatever, those stories are there. It's just like fan fiction has always been a place in which people can tell stories that are interesting and compelling. And the, the fan fiction stories that exist and you know um, exist over time and survive are ones that are interesting, not because they own the characters, but because those characters do interesting things. The good fan fiction. Well, it's like yeah. kind of like it's like all the good romance Star Wars stories are in all of the expanded universe stuff. It's not yeah. in the main yeah. books. 
Hmm. There's a lot of good Star Wars romance out there. How do you guys feel about... Um, I kind of wanted to bring up like the some of the announcements coming out. And before we were recording, we were talking about uh, the Han Solo trailer just released. Um, we're getting news that the writers of the Game of Thrones TV show are now getting their own trilogy, separate from Ryan Johnson's new trilogy. And um, I did hear a little tidbit about the Game of Thrones guys that they already know the time period of Star oh. Wars that they want to sort of work in, write stories in, um, which I thought was kind of fascinating. Um, brings up some implications. I know some people have thought about the going way back in the past to talk about the yeah, Jedi. that's exactly Jedis. where my brain was going. I mean, how do you guys feel about this ever-expanding world? Do you think we're just going to be able to start viewing these things? I know Pat said you're not, like, super into, you know, Rogue One um, solo movies that you could kind of treat them like, well, these are books that maybe are kind of the lesser, you know, stories being told. Like, the books you don't love, but there's some really great books, you know, the ex- yeah. in the expanded universe. The supplemental material. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it might not be your favorite, but you need to know. You need to, yeah. As part yeah. of your education. Hmm. So you guys excited about these new trilogies, things like that? Do you think well, it's going to be diminishing returns the more and more we get? I don't know. Oh, gosh. is it? I hope it's not the law of diminishing. <laughs> I think it is a little too much too soon, though. I mean, we just mm-hmm. got a Star Wars movie in December, and it's already yep. May. So we haven't even hit, like, five months. Right. Like, where's the anticipation? Where's the buildup? But then, mm-hmm. again, everything about what's happening with a solo movie just seems like a red flag to a lot of the fans. So... Yeah, it seems weird that they d- actually delayed, you know, The Force Awakens to make it better. Yeah. And, and then... they never changed the release date for Solo, even with all these issues. I mean, maybe they didn't want it, any more red flags, but they could have just easily waited till December again. Exactly. Um, why Why yeah. are we getting a Solo movie in May? Mm-hmm. Like, are we, and, and why are we going back? to May as the standard release date for Star Wars movies when the new standard by Disney is we do it in December. Right, right. And, and I get why Disney does it in December. It's brilliant. Let's have a new movie. Now everybody's going to buy Porg merchandise. <laughs> Christmas, yep. it's, Chris, it's snowing Porgs for Christmas. Yep. Yeah. And I, I love the Porgs, too. So. <laughs> so, I, see, I'm, 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 I don't really I'm have like, any complaints. I, I'm Team Foxicle, man. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. those are pretty yeah. awesome yeah. yeah um so, i mean also i mean like from a family standpoint like i love the december release date we look forward mm-hmm. to it put it on the calendar yeah. we do it on christmas when people are home i mean mm-hmm. it's like a smart decision i mean i guess oh gosh i mean this will be like the second show in a, in a row which i bring up shadows of the empire um i mean when i size or shadows of the empire what's that Wait, you said Shadows of the Empire, like Prince Sizor's Shadows of the Empire? Yeah, yeah. The old book, um, that, the book that came with the soundtrack? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I haven't talked about... I, 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 I never talked to many people about it, but the way... Uh, um, the way uh, someone described it to me, which I, I, I would echo, is that like, they tried to like release a Star Wars movie without the actual movie. They're like, we'll have a book, and then we'll have <laughs> yeah. games, and we'll have all this other stuff, and all the merchandise. We'll and, have a soundtrack. 
Right. But without um, – and I you know, I had encountered it when I was younger and you know, knew most of the characters in the story, but I, I never didn't actually read the book. And I recently got the book and read it, mm-hmm. which is not true. I read like three quarters of it. Um, <laughs> and I was cool? like – I was so tremendously disappointed in the quality of the book um, <laughs> that I was like I don't actually need – to finish this, um, yeah. I, you know, and it's like I love Dash Render is a cool character in general, but when I watch the solo trailer, that's what I think about. He, th- this young guy seems like because like Dash Render is like a poor man's, Han you know, Han Solo in a slightly sexier universe where there's a little more spice, uh, which is exactly what the solo trailer looks like. And I just, I mean, I, I in the Last Jedi uh, when we get to the planet of Crate. Um, I I was just sort of spellbound as I've talked about before. It was visually interesting. It was narratively interesting. The oh pacing and time it was interesting. Yeah. And I was like, I am finally we, like after like a one and three quarters movies, we are finally into the cre- actually. I'm sorry. After four and one half movies, or you know, we're finally into some new creative Star Wars stuff that's interesting. Yeah, and not I just another, not another Tatooine. That's right. Yeah. Um, not another like another not another repeat. Yeah, and it's like, and I don't even, you know, and like when they're on crate, I'm like, I don't know how this is going to end. I know there is another movie. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure the resistance is not going to be snuffed out here. Um, but, you know, like, I, the, the, the level of excitement I have when, you know, like Kylo Ren shows up is like, I have no idea what's going to go fair. on here. Um, you know, and that, I haven't felt that excitement for a long time in Star Wars. And so, I, I just want more of that. Like I, I want, and I know it's hard with Disney because Disney is like they are very shrewd money makers, and they do not take uh, risks very often. Certainly not with their like flagship properties. And this is something they didn't make, but they acquired. Um, and uh, I am not going to be surprised if the solo movie is bad. Um, I like Ryan Johnson. I want him to do more. So I'm happy about his trilogy. Um, I, I mean. I haven't watched Game of Thrones. I, I will openly admit that. Um, I so yeah, like if they do like medieval Star Wars. I'm all for that. Fantasy yeah. medieval Star Wars. Do it. Like it could be let's, cool. let's show like the very very old stuff. Give us something we haven't seen. Maybe something that's been in the comic books. I mean, mm-hmm. and honestly, true. It's like a lot of the stuff in like if you watch the Last Jedi. A lot of stuff, if you know your like expanded universe, sort of like little inklings here and there keep popping up, and you're like. Oh, I've seen this before. Like, yeah. I, I appreciate hmm. that they're putting stuff in that seems familiar enough that you don't feel like they completely just cut off your arm by taking away all of the legends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, um, like I said, I haven't watched Game of Thrones. Um, I don't, it's not that I, I don't really want to watch a show that, like a Star Wars world that has lots of sexual violence in it. Um, and I know that there's more to Game of Thrones than sex and sexual violence. Um, Not much. Uh, I don't know, but so. But would Disney even allow that? That sort of. Yeah, I, was like say, I think they're going to try to protect the yeah. property um, and keep it for a broad audience yeah. too. So. Um, I also, yeah. I mean, just when when Luke the, the, and there's also something about like Luke's perspective in the Last Jedi, which is deconstructive of of narratives and hero narratives. We also see it in the way Rose interacts with Finn and the discussion about, like, he's leaving, you know, and that sort of stuff. Um, that is all, like, really interesting to me. Um, 
Because I like, as much as I love the original Star Wars trilogy, um, it functions because, like, these characters are, you know, uh, they're archetypes. You know, like, we don't yeah. need to know about the Emperor. He's this big, scary old guy. We all, you know, like, it, it's either in our DNA or deep in our culture or whatever. Like, we know what that is. We don't, he doesn't need a backstory. Darth Vader doesn't need a backstory. Luke is like the young upstart. No backstory. Like, these are these are people that show up in stories all over the place. And that makes them cool. Um, but they're also one-dimensional, right? Um, and the the complexity they flirt with in The Last Jedi is, is what makes it really interesting to me. Again, like, I like... I mean, Rey is not a straightforward character. And we don't... We don't even entirely know... Like, she learns... That, like, when she goes down to the, into the Crystal Cave and sees the mm-hmm. truth. Like, we don't even know what she really learned there. Right. And that's really great. Um, Kylo's and, complicated in this film, too, I think. Yeah. Where um, it's coming from. And so, uh, as much as I would love to see, like, rip-roaring medieval, like, Knights of the Old Republic space battles, <laughs> um, I I just don't want it... I don't want this to be the moment where, like, it's like in the 80s when there's just all these action... Like, like all the dude action films. And, like, I, I don't I don't want Star Wars to become, like... You know, Rambo Three or Beastmaster or a variety of other sort of like we've got a big dude that's going to beat a bunch of people up. Let's do it, you know. And you just place replace that with it's Star Wars, because um, I know, I don't know. I mean, I, I I imagine that there are folks at Disney that are making shrewd calculations about like how much loyalty they can press into money. You know, like like <laughs> like like how how many like billions of or you know of dollars is the fandom worth and how much like you know how little can we invest in that to sort of do it and and also that the the inevitable sort of tilting towards a broader audience how do we get other people interested in this world as well i mean i mean some of this yeah one of the you know we all grew up in the age when star wars wasn't in the theater and there was a funness to it being this encapsulated untouchable thing Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't, you know, like it wasn't uh, Star Trek. It w- there weren't mm-hmm. new ones coming out. Yeah. Um, it was and, a finite universe. Yeah. And I like that. And and I, you know, it, it also what, it's, what, it's what I grew up with. So I'm like, you know, it's part of my experience. Um, and it just makes me nervous mm-hmm. um, about having a proliferation of Star Wars stories. I mean, I will say it does make me nervous also about... I'm thinking recently, like my kid, like, like you said, we had this like limited amount of Star Wars when we were growing up and we could sort of like study that and love it, you know, just that small thing and expand it in our own ways, you know, if we wanted to in books and stuff. But I think as our kids grew up, there's just going to be this like growing, growing amount of massive Star Wars things. And it's not just going to be like one thing very much yeah and i also it's it's great and it's not great for me that like when these new disney films are coming out suddenly like every person is a star wars fan and it feels like i lose some of myself with that a little bit like not that i want to only keep it for myself but it was like a thing that we had star wars fans and now it's just so mainstream and I think that's just going to continue. Or it's going to get to the point where my kids are just going to be like, oh, yeah, Star Wars is just everywhere. You know, like, there's just, like, so much of it. So I'm worried about that happening to it, just becoming watered down, which is still happening. Yeah. I mean, as far as I'm okay with the expansion of the universe mm-hmm. is what I'm going to go with. Because 
you don't have to love everything in it, right? Yeah. I always find like find the part of it that you really do care about um, and, and stick to that, that. <laughs> right? I mean, hey, you know what? Like my husband was the one who hit the nail on the head and I was like, I went to go watch Rogue One twice in theaters and I cry at the drop of like a hat. I was a sobbing buck <laughs> at The Last Jedi and I came out of Rogue One and I was completely dry eyed. And I'm like, dude, there are a lot of people who died in this movie. Yeah. I liked Root. Why didn't I cry? And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Am I dead inside? And he just looked mm -hmm. at me. He goes, was anybody a Jedi in this movie? And I'm like, oh, my God, you're right. Yeah. I was like, I was like, you're right. And he was like, yeah. He was like, I'll bet you anything. You were waiting for Tira to press a button on that staff and have that staff turn into a lightsaber <laughs> with a little staff pike. And I'm like, that would have been so awesome. And I'm like, oh, okay, you're right. So not yeah. everything, not everything's going to satisfy everybody's itch. And mm -hmm. like, I know people who absolutely adore Rogue One and yeah. think The Last Jedi was a piece POS. And, you know, it's all going to be like a different perspective of how you approach it. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like if we're going to be like all good encompassing Star Wars fans, be like, yeah, you love your side of the universe. I love my side of the universe. We all love the same universe. So let's all just get along. Mm-hmm. And there is a, a certain segment of people who grew up uh, knowing the prequels first. And yeah, that that's, too. that's okay. Like, that's what brought them to Star Wars, and they sort of love it, and that's okay too. Yeah, I have a, a neighbor who's like the father of a very, like my son's like one of his really good friends, and he like will insist um, that the prequels are better. Mm. Um, I mean, particularly like he thinks the, um, the third one uh, – uh, episode three is like yeah. the best of the Star Wars mm. films. He because he finds it the most creative oh. um, of all of them. He finds sort of the it's original the trilogy of the a little you know, prequels. you yeah. know, boring and um, stayed. Which is, I mean, uh, it's a perspective that I didn't have, and uh, it caused me to sort of you know watch them again. I borrowed them from him, and and you know watch with a little more sympathy. Um, I think though that one of the things that uh, uh, well, I mean, one of the things that was uh, unique to me about Star Wars when I was a kid is like the it was the first like world of fans mm -hmm. I had ever knew yeah. like I didn't know that that was a thing and then you know like you know yeah. I leave my small town mm -hmm. and you know and you find these other people that have you may not agree about some things but like the mutual love of Star Wars um, and it often seemed to be about like um, the world itself but also uh, what various characters meant to them mm -hmm. in the yep. story and so I was wondering, Pat, if you could talk a little bit about – so you're part of this um, documentary film called Looking for Leia, which is um, about women and Star Wars fandom. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Okay, sure. Um, so uh, Dr. Annalisa Filian is a documentarian from and a movie maker in the San Francisco Bay Area. And mm -hmm. it hit upon her um, even before – Princess Leia, uh, Princess Leia, I mean, Carrie Fisher passed away, mm -hmm. that she had been working on a couple of documentaries that were just very dour and very heavy. And she was like, you know, as much as I love doing what I do, I needed, she needed something that was more uplifting. And she's always loved Star Wars. And she was always very curious about the female Star Wars perspective. So she just started making this documentary where she was going to say she was going to do this like great road trip across the United States talking to female Star Wars fans and then ending with Carrie Fisher. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. 
that plan did not pan out um, due to the circumstances. Um, and she almost gave up on the project after that had happened. But then she decided what better way to honor Carrie Fisher but to continue with it. Hmm. And like she's been around the United States. She's even been to Europe interviewing girls and women all over the place and just how much the movies affected them. Do you feel like, for you at least, the new Disney films, a little more focus on female characters has been something that you appreciate, uh, like personally, or is it just like a continuation of what you already liked about Star Wars? I mean, do you feel like there's a there's a push towards more of a female emphasis? In the new I ones? mean, it's it's uh, it's obvious that mm. you know Kathleen Kathleen Kennedy obviously and the rest of her crew are doing a good job pushing more. Mm women into the into the limelight of the movies um if you watch read the expanded universe they had quite a few fairly awesome female characters um if you read the books now perhaps maybe in retrospect you shouldn't have named your kid after one of the characters (laughs) it wasn't like the best written of the of like these book trilogies but oh well too late for that Mm. um But, yeah, it's just really nice seeing so many women out there. And it's true because I have a daughter, um, and I didn't even think about this from when I was a kid because I always played token token girl character from cartoon. You know, you be that one girl, that's it. Um, Mm -hmm. And now that it's great because you can have a choice of what's out there. And and it's not just the same female. It's not just princess who's also badass. It's... (laughs) Like a variety of various things. One of them can be a Jedi. One of them can be a technician. One of them can mm. fly a spaceship into hyperspace and kill everybody. Yeah. Damel and Holdo. She was, um, she was definitely like one of my favorites from the movie, but I guess I'm also biased because I read the book ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, and that was an awesome moment when uh, yeah. she did destroy the Star Destroyer. I know, like, like, and I, again, I'm one of those people who are like, I don't want to look at trailers, I don't want to meet characters at the time, I don't want to do any of that stuff, and then my friend was like, hey, check out this new character in the new movie, Laura Dern looks pretty awesome, I'm like, Laura Dern has purple hair, now I need to do this costume. <laughs> so, I mean, I've always loved Halloween growing up, and I make Halloween costumes as a kid, and sort of like being able to dress up as I remember my very first Star Wars costume was when the Force Awakens no not what am I saying uh Phantom Menace came out my friends and I I grabbed like one of my old my mom's old red top black tops and painted up my face and tried to do like some weird female mashup of of Darth Maul and I got the double saber and it was kind of a bad guy <laughs> And then um, I, when I moved to the States, I just started, I, I got a job at like the Renaissance Fair and I had to learn how to sew. And then I started taking sewing classes. And then I was like, as I got more comfortable with my sewing skills, then I got more interested in what else can I do? And it's a, well, obviously, I just want to make more Star Wars. I want to make. And. What's nice is that if you're going to make Star Wars stuff, make it, like, worthwhile. Like, if you're going to use it, at least use it for a good cause. So now you get to wear the costumes um, and represent, you know, Star Wars at events where you get to do charity for a better cause. Nice. Yeah. What, um, what's, what's your favorite costume that you've made for Star Wars? Ooh. 
Um, I can't really claim claim my. I love the Holdo. It was awesome mm. wearing. I can't claim it because I didn't actually make the dress. Mm. I was like crunched for time, and so I outsourced <laughs> it. <laughs> um, but ones that I made, like I really love. Uh, there's this gray Jedi that I made. Mm. Um, yeah, I know, right? Gray Jedi. I like saying that. It annoys one of my friends. <laughs> And I'm like, it's it's not metaphorical, it's literal. The fabric is all gray. It's the color gray. <laughs> color gray. Um, but because it is the color gray, I get to pretend it's both sides of the force, you know. Nice. It's it's true neutral. It's neither good, it's neither dark. Yeah. It's the balance. Yeah. It's 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 the absolute balance and it's the fabric itself has a great story, um, in that it was completely free. Hmm. And a friend of mine was cleaning out her fabric closet. And said, here, I'm giving you this stuff. I'm also giving you this box that belonged to a friend of mine. His wife passed away, and this contains some of her stuff. And he didn't know what to do with it, so he gave it to me, and now I'm passing it on to you. Mm. And in it was like a collection of three gray skirts. And I put one on, and my cousin looked at it and was like, that's pretty awesome. You should make that like a Jedi skirt. <laughs> so we took the other two skirts. And then turned it into like the top, huh. and then all of the other fabric that was in her collection ended up becoming part of the costume. Hmm. Hmm, cool. And yeah, I just I, I just like how it turned out, and I like that it actually it's like the one costume that has history. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a meaning and uh, connection to it to other people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talk about like the force connects us all. <laughs> yeah. You know, now, now the spirit of whoever used to own this skirt gets to move on. Yeah. Um, there's this. So, um, our mutual friend Marcy, um, uh, listen to our my Earth, my my nightmare moon. Yes, your your nightmare moon. Um. Uh, she listened to our podcast, our last podcast about the Last Jedi, and at, at the end of the podcast, um, Colin Burnett, a friend of mine who's a professor, mentioned uh, this one thing. I, I had made a comment that I said ah- Ahsoka was the single most interesting character in all of Star Wars. Something I will stand behind. I think she, she's my favorite. Um, she takes a little bit to get going, like especially you know in the first Clone Wars season, but she's my favorite. Um, and I think she's also more interesting. Um, than anyone else uh and so and he said oh yeah i mean you know she's the most interesting female character mm-hmm. um and made some comment that she was far more interesting than leia mm-hmm. um which my friend marcy uh who is a a, a big the big and i know lover of leia um uh you know from mm-hmm. she's the self-rescuing princess to a whole lot of other things and she very timidly <laughs> uh, when we were talking last week she said well i i just i just have to I don't know how to say this, but, you know, and I, it was like I, I had some objections to what Colin had said about Leia. Um, and it was clear that, uh, that the character of Leia was really important to her. And from the, the trailers that I've watched and some of the samples of the Looking for Leia film, um, there are a lot of women uh, to or for whom um, uh, Leia as pretty much the only big female character in Star Wars meant a lot to them. And the – and uh, the I was reminded of this story that I read last year. Um, it was uh, um, in the New York Times. It was about I don't remember the. It was about uh, Uhura um, in the original Star Trek, um, and she said that after the um, I don't remember her real name. It was after the the first season. Um, 
it was she had kind of had a hard time on the show. It was good, hmm. um, but it was she not. Up and then Martin Luther King told her not to give up. Yeah. Um, and he, yeah, and he said that her like her the Star Trek was the only show he would let her or he would let his <laughs> kids watch at night um, because she was on it. Um, and it was, I mean, first of all, I was like, I had not, I did, I, I never would have guessed mm. that like a black woman on Star Trek was really important to a lot of people. And that's, I mean, like, I, I mean, it makes perfect sense, but I, the idea of like Martin Luther King watching Star Trek, um, just sort of blew my mind. Um, <laughs> but it was, but it was also clear that like just the presence, you know, and, and she's an awesome character. Not great. I mean, it's, you know, it happens at a particular time period. Um, but, uh, that, uh, that a character can mean so much to a lot of people. Um, and I was wondering if um, you shared uh, uh, like a deep love of Leia, or or if there was, if not her, is there a character in the Star Wars universe that really um, is very important to you? That's a girl. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's true. So what was nice about Leia was she was part of the triad. She was part mm. of this. She wasn't the token girl. Mm. You know, she wasn't that one extra girl that gets cast for yeah. female viewership. She was part of the story. And I think that was part of the, the awesomeness of the power that is Leia is also, you know, she's a princess, but she's also a badass. Hmm. Like, you know, girls can get very tired of one trope that they get given over and over and over again. And to have that trope broken in such a way was really powerful. Now, was she like my all-time favorite Star Wars character? The answer is no in terms of um, I like I never – had the desire to dress up like Princess Leia. And I always kind of feel like the desire is what shows me who my favorite characters are. Yeah. My favorite character is, and I'm going to admit this now because everybody knows, I love a really minor Jedi from the expanded universe called Callista Ming. Mm -hmm. And my daughter Callista would tell you, mommy may be a little crazy. (laughs) But... You know, it was in it was in the storyline. It, it's I don't know if you've ever read Children of the Jedi, but the stories it's not good. The books <laughs> don't get better in retrospect. But I love the idea of like Luke falling in love with there was what well, it was a female Jedi who was trapped in her spirit was trapped in a ship, and Luke fell in love with her. And as far as I'm I'm concerned, that was his first sexual encounter because. Hmm. That was certainly implied in the books. Hmm. And I picked up on that when I read them. And I thought as far as, you know, the story was going to go, that he was going to end up with her. The other thing I think, too, was that she felt very, the character um, felt lost her force sensitivity and could Hmm. not continue on as a Jedi because she just couldn't feel the force. Hmm. And I was just like, well, that's how I feel like every day of my life. (laughs) People sneak up to me. And I just don't, I'm like, how can you be right behind me? They're like, I've been behind you for five minutes. How have you not felt it? Hmm. So, Hmm. and, you know, and it was just sort of like representation matters. You know, she had the same color hair and eyes that I did in high school. And it was nice feeling like you were part of the story. Hmm. Yeah. Although Calista Ming, my first Rebel Legion costume. His... The only one in Rebel Legion because no one knows who it is. Has she been portrayed like visually in comic uh, books or anything like that? 
She's in, uh, yeah, she's been in comic books. So the problem with, um, the thing about Rebel Legion is you have to provide three, three images that represent the same thing. And she's mm-hmm. never done that. You basically get one full frontal of her and that's it. <laughs> hmm. And, and luckily enough, somebody pushed for it and said, look, it's the only one out there. Let it be. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I've shown up at Star Wars, what was that? Celebrations. Yeah, I just had a celebration wearing that costume, and like nobody gets it. <laughs> and this is this is like an entire convention of super Star Wars nerds, right? right? And you're just like, yeah, the the one costume. Yeah. So it gets to be like your own thing then, in a little way. Yeah. Yeah. I also like to think of it as the summer Jedi because it's really hot, and <laughs> it's it, it's one of those things where you're like, ooh, scantily clad Jedi. <laughs> So uh, we should probably wrap up here pretty soon. We've been talking a lot about Star Wars uh, and the different sides of it, but I'm learning a lot about the Star Wars world, talking to you, Pat, and different perspective on things, which I really appreciate. But is there... I mean, how do you would you say in general, like, Star Wars influences your life on a day-to-day basis? I know you said, like, you totally embrace it as sort of one of your defining characteristics. Um, can you tell us more about that, if possible? Sure. Perhaps maybe the easiest way is to tell you a couple of s- tidbit stories. Yeah, sounds great. Um, let's let's go back in time to my high school yearbook. <laughs> it's sitting right beside me. But um, in it, it says, like, in 10 years' time, where will you be? And mine was written by somebody else, and it basically said Pat will have gone to Lucas headquarters and stalked the Star Wars people. (laughs) And I just want to be like whoever wrote that and be like, check, been there, done that. Thank you. Um, You know, another funny example was last year at my school on May the 4th, you know, Mm -hmm. I came into school wearing one of um, the Star Wars dresses that I made using Star Wars fabric, and our head of school was at the front and she's like, hi Pat, happy national holiday for you. <laughs> and then she sends out an email and she's like, Hey, just in case anybody needs to know today's Pat's holiday, just make sure you say hello and may the force be with you. when she walks down the hallway. That's so great. yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. Like at my co-teachers like, so on December 19, when the movie comes out, are you taking that out as like PTO as a religious holiday? Because <laughs> like, some people, I don't know what their religion is, but but you, I know. <laughs> it's quite clear. Yeah, it's quite clear. And I'm like, you know, if if it's gonna be something dorky and 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 crazy, you might as well just embrace the crazy 100. <laughs> percent Yeah, I know. Um... When The Force Awakens was coming out, anticipating that in the years beforehand, my wife made the statement at one point, like, I just never knew what a Star Wars geek you were so fully into it. And it It, got to let it out. One of the reasons why that's also funny is, like, Eli is very subtle, like, (laughs) about everything. Um, And, like, you, you often don't know... Sometimes I don't know whether he's being serious or joking. Yeah. Um, so it's funny to me that um, – well, I mean it, it, it's not surprising that you, the woman you've been married to and been dating for a long time yeah. did not know. I, uh, our daughter was was expected in January, the month after The Force Awakens came out, and I created like a countdown to The Force Awakens. Yeah. 
And my wife was a little offended that I didn't have a baby countdown started. I love my daughter, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love my, <laughs> but, like, I mean, my... When what I was dating, I, I dated my husband 11 years before we got married and like 13, uh, before we had a kid. Yeah, and when yeah. we were first, first dating, you know, his uncle had said, so, and he turned to him, not me and said, so if you had a kid, what would you name it? And he said, I would name it Callista. Cause that's what Pat would name her daughter if she had one. And I was Good like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I'm like, hello, keep are you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right? so, and, and I mean, and it's true. We had our sonogram and it was like the day we were like going to find out if it was a boy or a girl. And so she kept saying it's a girl and we're like high-fiving ourselves in the room. And we're like, <laughs> yes, we did it. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Callista it is. So I want to ask this question, Pat. Um, uh, I don't know. It's like why Star Wars as opposed to something else? I know, right? I've asked that question myself. Oh. And and I always think, like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's a series of movies. That's really all it is. Mm. But also in the grand scheme of my things, in my timeline, in this part of the world, it's what speaks to me. It's what makes me happy. And it's what helps me define my place. In the world and with everything else. And uh, I don't know. Did you did you know? Did you have a sense of like how important it would be from the beginning, from that first like, oh my god, this is baseball's moment, or did that happen later? No, it was that moment. Like mm. I mean, not not so much the baseball's moment, but like right yeah. after that movie, and I was like, this is life turning. I once wrote a really horrible paper. In high school, in college, was like, you know, please share a life defining moment. And I tried to share this on paper. Do you know how hard it is <laughs> mm-hmm. to like express in written word how a movie changes your point of view and perspective? Yeah. I was not the best lit major in the world. Let's just go with that. <laughs> the more important question is how big of a deal is Spaceballs to you now? How meaningful is that? <laughs> but I mean, Spaceballs and The Princess Bride will always be two of yeah. my most movies ever (laughs) like if you can quote those in front of people and they get it you're like okay you've passed my first test right yeah you're good you're good i still really enjoy that you love space balls without knowing the references to what it's making fun of that's oh my god well it's objectively funny it is is. yeah like you don't even need the star wars references so what was that last month was my husband's company's holiday party and it was like at the Cal Academy of Sciences. It was like a fancy to do thing, but it was also sci fi themed. And I just like looked at him with big kawaii anime eyes. Like, and he was like, Yeah, 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 you can wear your holdo. Yeah. I'm like, Good, because it's a fancy Please event. let me crush this. Yeah. Huh? yeah. I was just yeah. like, Let me win this party. <laughs> like, I was like, Please, please, please. And then, and then we're standing there in the middle of this like awesome event. And then the Spaceballs music comes on overhead. <laughs> And I was like, I'm dying right now. It's all coming We're going to stand here and enjoy this moment because this is just awesome. I mean, there's, I don't know, there's something about like Star Wars fandom in my own life that gets me like fired up. Um, like I come from like a, like a pretty like lower middle class family. Like my dad was a coal miner. There's not a lot of like highfalutin art in our world. <laughs> 
and you know, like, it, 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 I grew up, you know, it's it, true in the world. Like, people, it's totally fine to, like, talk about Shakespearean characters or characters from great Russian literature, which I love, you know, or other sorts of things. Um, and, and, but, like, even like you said in your paper, to, like, talk about how a, a, a movie, mm-hmm. in a movie, um, you know, could be a defining moment. I, I was, I've always been, like, very, I don't know. It's always gotten me going because I mean, like, for all the books that I've ever read, like, you you don't get to like the the experience of visually and hearing, you know, seeing and hearing and being a part of this story in space and time on a film um, is was was more compelling to me than any book that I had ever read. And books are great, but like, you know, like you don't see the sweat on like you like <laughs> seeing the sweat on Luke's face when he's staring at Darth Vader is uh, like a, a sensory experience. Um, that was unlike anything I had ever encountered, and I, I, I was always like adamant, you know, even like like you know in college when you know, even within academia where the differentiation between canon and non-canon and all this other sort of stuff, which doesn't seem to matter much anymore. Um, it's like for a person in the world, like they're all just stories, whether they're like two hundred years old and super fancy or something your friend told you. Um, they all kind of exist in the same way in your experience. Mm. Um. And for me, I mean, like when I when I first showed my when I first showed my youngest son, you know, episode four, we watched it like on an iPad like under a desk in one go. I'm like, it was just about impossible. Like I was fighting tears the entire time. <laughs> oh, because I had like, I mean, I had watched. I mean, like throughout the complex business of my childhood, like watching Star Wars like every couple weeks was just this thread, you know? And so this moment with my son touches all these other moments in my life. Um, and, you know, and I just, and I, and I, there hadn't been a film when I was younger and even still that like, I felt so into, which I think, you know, like you described like the not breathing business. I was just so, you know, there was not another book story event thing at church or whatever that I was so, transfixed by you know and and so and i i would always you know in, in talking with folks that are more into literature or whatnot i was like but like all that stuff like does it make you feel the way <laughs> watching star wars makes you feel you know yeah there's not maybe really... Anne of green gables oh, <laughs> i'm sorry and i'm sorry a whole different thing yeah yeah uh yeah i mean there's not really any other films that i can sort of have the feeling of like it's been a couple months really just really want to rewatch that again yeah. even though like i pretty much have those originals memorized and everything so like yeah there's some things i just need to re-experience in that and go back to and i like what you're saying jeremy about like almost like this oral tradition of like we come back to kind of retelling ourselves these stories or telling you know the people around us like my kids and I do just sort of like cycle through even the prequels every few months. Yeah. Um, you know, just watch one, go through it. And then like, you're back to like, Oh yeah. Now I don't remember that one very well. Let's go back and start through that. And, and then we like have conversations about like how it fits into the timeline so that they can like make sense of it. Um, but this is just like part of the process of kind of retelling those stories. And I think we do sort of like relate it to our own lives as we, as we rewatch those things um, at different points in our lives, as we talk about, I mean, yeah, and talking about like academia, let's go back to the all all knowing Joseph Campbell. What was his mm-hmm. one example of 
the hero the hero's journey. Did yeah. he do Hamlet? Did he do Odysseus? No, he was like Luke Skywalker. I mean, even <laughs> Joseph Campbell was like, this is the absolute perfect example of the hero's journey. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, if Joseph Campbell got it, we got it. Yeah, true. Cool. Is that a good place to wrap up? Did you have any other questions or thoughts, Jeremy? Or Pat? Oh, no, I just... I, I, one, the one last thing I would ask Pat is, um, um, do you know... Uh, uh, Looking for Leia is probably going to be released, hmm. if you know. I think uh, last I heard was uh, April. They're going through cool. a lot of editing. Um, and, I mean, like she said, she has enough footage to do an entire Netflix series. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she's gotten a lot of footage. I mean, I was in Manila. I was in the Philippines on vacation in November. And like I had this, like I met up with the Rebel Legion ladies over there, and Sweet. I was like, you know what? Let's film something. <laughs> he was like, yeah. you can make it happen, make it happen. Yeah. Keep and so yeah, it was like it's it's just it is it, it is an endlessly fascinating conversation hmm. where you can have with anybody, and any Star Wars fan will will come up with this new perspective you've never even yeah. thought of. Like I met a girl who had seen Star Wars for the first time in 2016 and her favorite character was c-3po because she feels like c-3po every time they're at a troop where she's worried about everything and wants to make sure that it all goes well hmm. you cool. know yeah right i was like i was like oh, i had never even thought about that uh one other thing i think jeremy mentioned that you were at a premiere for one of the star wars films is that true yes yes, yes. the last I jedi told- I yep. I started. I started. Uh, September. I, I started January 2017, and every now and then would just be like, "Universe, this is the year I'm going to the Last Jedi premiere." <laughs> and like, I spent the entire year marking off my days, and I'd be like, mm. "This is probably the day of the premiere. Nothing is happening that weekend. <clears throat> I'm buying a ticket to LA this weekend. <laughs> like all of you people, let it be known." Like, I let the universe know, I let my world know. <laughs> and so when I was like, when I when I got like, uh, we, we got like application forms to fill out. And I'm like, I got this, I filled out my application form, I got that I got in. And I was like, I told you, I worked a year for this. Yeah. How yeah. was it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> let me look at Mark Hamill's signature that's on my guest right now as it sits mm. beside me on my wall as like my prized possession right there I was like everybody was trying to get all of the autographs I'm like I just want one just... <laughs> give me my mark please <laughs> that's great yeah I am, I am no, it was, jealous oh it was it was amazing like uh, how, how do you how do you put that into words when you mm-hmm. stand in the nice warmth of the LA afternoon staring at all of your favorite people on screen in front of you and yeah. you're like I try not to look like a grinning idiot <laughs> but I mean it's true also like my very first troop uh with the rebel legion was I signed up to do something at Lucasfilm and I had no idea what I was getting myself into I showed up in costume I didn't know you're not supposed to do that you're really supposed to like change you're also supposed to be able to change afterwards so like afterwards everybody else was in regular clothes and I was like not 
to stay in Casa Where can I put my lightsaber like, here? <laughs> like, we're supposed to bring extra clothes, but like, yeah, we were standing there with the Boys and Girls Club of San Francisco taking pictures, and I'm like smiling my ass off, and I'm smiling at somebody who's smiling back at me, and then like I'm still smiling, and I'm like, that's Seth Green. Oh my god, that's Seth Green smiling at me right now. <laughs> like, this is awesome. It's all like coming together. Wow. That's great. Jeremy, what would you be your uh, cosplay costume? Oh gosh. Ahsoka? No, I I wouldn't I wouldn't I don't know. I wouldn't want to it's a very hard. I mean, it's not I would it would be like full, I would be Captain Rex or like some oh. member of the 501st in full like clone armor, armor. Nice. with oh. the, hey, all done in airbrush oh, details and stuff. Nice. I I would pick somebody obscure like sevens or heavy or something, you know, <laughs> just so like I can show that I have legit cred. Or possibly, well, I gotta say, like if I if I would, I, Ahsoka's a little like I, I don't feel like I could quite do that. Um, I I would pick um just pure costume wise um uh, Sabine from Rebels because you get Mandalorian armor and you get super colorful. That's true. Um, because I could spray, spray paint hair. that pretty much whatever mm-hmm. and have a really fun time that's cool so that would probably and be like got a black saber yeah, yeah, like, oh. black saber. yeah. Super, super bonus props yeah nice eli uh, what would you i mean i probably have to go straight jedi yeah i mean you've dressed up as jedi for like three of the four halloweens that i've known you i think really two maybe two well maybe, i mean i've seen yeah. you in the costume many times yeah and that was a bar costume but that was still fun yeah, yeah. I got to, like, uh, green screen. They were dressed up as Jedis one year. Our whole family did. And I was just like, let's put up a green screen and I'll take some pictures. So later I can just put whatever background I want behind you. So that's pretty fun. See, and all I hear is holiday card. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. This was a great conversation, Pat. Well, thanks for inviting me, you guys. This is really one fun opportunity. 